joined on Football CFB by a man who's very highly regarded by Greenock Morton fans and fans up in Inverness as well, Connor Pepper. First of all, Connor, how are you? Good, thanks. Just sort of getting through lockdown, just like everybody else is. Uh, we were just talking about it. I think the weather and the sun being out was just making things a little bit easier, being able to sit in the garden for a couple of hours through the day and keep things ticking over. The first thing I want to talk to you is um, the injury that you suffered. You suffered a very serious knee injury. You were a fan's favourite yeah. at Morton. It curtailed your career in the sense that you were out for a long time and you went without playing football for a long time. First of all, how tough was that for you mentally and physically? Uh, yeah, I think all injuries are tough. doesn't matter if it's one month, six months, a year, two years, two and a half years in my case. Um, it's just you get separated from the lads or say, I think mine was just a little bit more difficult. Be, I was away from home. I lived myself in an apartment at the time and I was just a kid. Like I, I didn't really have any life experience. And, you know what I mean? I was just sort of getting on and I think football was still like my getaway. So, you know, I'm just starting to feel the problems maybe of, oh, I've got to pay for my own flat. I've got to pay for this and pay for that and just keep myself on my own feet. But playing football and all, you still, your week has something to build towards. Having that getting sort of took away from me then as well was like a main difficult bit. And then I think from then the injury itself where I, we never really found a problem for it or... um yeah, sorry, something to fix it with, or what the problem was, I should say. And then as time was going by, things were just getting a little bit more difficult. Um, and then, the and then like I said, because we couldn't find the problem, the not knowing was probably the worst part about the whole thing. See, when you're out for over a year in terms of without playing a first-team game, I'm putting you on the spot by asking it, but is there ever a point where you consider that your career could be over? Well, mine was, I think, so I think after about a year, maybe a year, was it? I think maybe 12 months in, maybe a little bit less. I'd seen a couple of different surgeons. Jim Duffy had put me in touch with uh, some some good surgeons in around Ross Hall, which is like the main sort of place around Glasgow. He deals with some Celtic and Rangers players and all. And I'd had, I kept going in for scans and I'd have these injections and that injections. I'd already had one operation then by this point as well. Um, and I remember, I remember like pretty clearly the the day I was in there myself, and I was sat in sat in the the surgeon's office, and he was basically telling me that it was done. He was basically saying to do with my articulated surface, some of the cartilage. It was a shock absorber. Basically, my knee was implode on itself every time I tried to come back. Um, and I remember when he told me at that point, then I was just you know again like I think it was only twenty one or twenty two at the time. And I was I just got back in the car outside the hospital, and my hands were shaking. I phoned my dad and phoned Jim Duffy, and and then at that point, then I I did, I did not well. I thought my career was over, and um, well, it was a lot to deal with. Um, but but I, I've learned a lot about myself from it. You mentioned the fact you've learned a lot about yourself. The fact you've bounced back to be playing football regularly again is a testament to your mental strength. And you're now at Glen Torren. You've been there now for a couple of seasons. What's it been like playing in the Northern Irish League? Because it's something that seems to be getting a wee bit more exposure over here in Scotland. And I'm just interested to ask you, what's the standard like? And what's it been like getting back playing week in, week out? Yeah, well, uh, I went 28 months from my last game to my first game with Glen Torren. So 
coming all the way through and, and, and getting started back in like what what was a Premier League over here at the time was 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 great. Um I the standard it, it, look the standard everywhere is getting better. There's more better coaches, there's players coming home. It, look a lot of times it's it's maybe about money and if there's more sponsorships and the league's getting better, players don't need to go away, especially in the League of Ireland as well. There's chances of making Europe in the Northern Irish League and the League of Ireland. So and my all, my whole take on it is a lot of the time, I think when I was younger, everyone wants to get away. And I was the same. I always wanted to get to Scotland or get to England. Um, and, and that was always the goal. But I think as I got older, I, and I think a lot of players should probably think about it as well, is you're going to get to a point where, you, look, you, if you can make a, a living out of a game for 15 years, that's good. We're not all going to get to the Premier League, the Championship, and make that life-changing money. So... If you've got, say, Scotland and we've got the SPL, we've got 12 teams and then maybe the Scottish Championship underneath there, another, another 10. In Northern Ireland, we've got uh, 12 teams in our league and a league more than 10. To be honest, from maybe SPL to our leagues, I think the SPL is obviously a, a lot stronger. Look, we get players from England, but say the Scottish Championship, there was a lot of Irish players playing in there when I was there. The league of Ireland. If you want to make a living in the game, you should be trying to open up as many clubs as you can, especially because I, I find like a lot of British players probably don't want to go, well, not don't want it, they just don't have the opportunity to play in Europe. So our um, scope of clubs is a lot smaller. So if a Scottish player has the chance to maybe move over, which uh, we had John Heron, who's played with Celtic and O'Ferman, came over and played for us. I know a lot of lads like, say, maybe Reese McCabe, he was ended up at Pats. Um, so if you can find more clubs to play for and still be playing professional football and making a living out of it, it's definitely something that I think more players should be looking at over over the water anyway. Absolutely. And I've spoken to, to Nicky Lowe, who played at Derry City, and yeah. he talks very highly of his time in Ireland and are obviously a different league to the, to the league you're playing in. But he just said that he loved the passion of the fans. He, he loved the the camaraderie of the players and he said compared to playing in Scotland it was it was very similar in the sense that good honest boys all trying to make a better life for themselves and and play as hard as they could to to see where their career could go and is that your experience as well? Yeah look there's, there's, big, there's big clubs here and there's big clubs in Scotland like it's, there's teams in Ireland that have played in European Cups and the same as Scotland like say maybe I think over here a lot of teams would probably start to Unless, like, I've, I've had the experience of playing in Scotland. I don't think teams over here, though, will realise the size of maybe, say, the ones outside of Celtic Majors, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen. They're massive clubs. There's no one in Ireland who are going to get, like, 20,000 fans at a game. But, like, like say, a Hibs would. Hibs can get that if they go in it far in a cup or whatever. I still don't think Ireland, we don't have the fan bases for that. But standard-wise, it, it, it's it's definitely, definitely probably similar. We've got Dundalk in the League of Ireland, who... Got all the way to the Europa League group stage quite recently. Um, Linfield last year in our league were one game away from the Europa League. They, they conceded something in the 94th minute, I think it was, um, at home, which was the goal that killed them. You know what I mean? So we could have had a Northern Irish team in the, in the Europa League. Um, so, yeah, like, like that type of stuff and with the standard and, and, and especially with the fans, I think it, it is, it's kind of like you're still going to get the same type of people maybe going to a game, the walking class, like a lot of my friends go to the League of Ireland on a Friday night and they love it. They go and they have a couple of beers, go and watch the game, ha- have a good laugh, finish the game, have a couple of points, get on a dark home. Like it's still the same culture. Um, 
So in that way, players are going to enjoy it just, just the same. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, at, at our level, it's more about making a living out of it can you, and then see who you meet in the game if you've been around at different clubs or you get your coaching badges and you know a couple of people. Who knows where, where the opportunities are going to come further down the line. One of the things that interests me about playing touring and, and the team you're playing in is the fact that a lot of people, I think, over in Scotland, to be honest with you, assume that the League of Ireland and the Northern Irish Premiership, they assume like, it's just lots of Irish boys and maybe people have played over here in Scotland and they go over there. But when you look at your team, you've got a couple of Croatians in your team, a Dutchman, yeah. you've got a Lithuanian, you've got quite a few foreign players as well. Have you noticed that the league is, as the league's getting bigger and stronger that you're able to attract more players? Well, I think our, our situation is a bit different. We we got a new manager in who, who was managed abroad in Dubai, um, America. I'm sure he's worked with Carlos Quarez and the international teams like Iran. So we we got a we got a new owner and, and this manager came in. So he had contacts to open it up. And then, like I said, but then it's it's still maybe at the time as well. It's good for uh, the players that are there already. Say like myself and. Some of these players have played at bigger teams in Europe and are coming in and playing with us and we feel like, oh, well, I'm still here to compete. I'm still here to, to play. Um, but like the, and, and like I said, yeah, it, it's good as well. A good experience this, to see how they are, how they, how they are around the place, how do they do anything different to us. Um, and like I said, again, it could be meet, meeting someone like, say, Elvio, the Dutch lad, or Hervoy or Marion, the two Croatians. They could go away and something could come up, whatever they do, and then they might think back, you never know what happened. So it's just good to meet these people. Um, and then sort of on our, on my side, I've been away to Scotland and come into a new dressing room as sort of a foreigner. So um, it, I've kind of, I'm quite close with some one or two of them. I, when they first come in, I try and make it easy for them when they're getting in the door. And they're all good lads as well. They're a good laugh. They mix in quite well. And um, yeah, it's, it's good sort of experience for players that are at our club as well um, for them to be coming in and, and, and us seeing it up close In terms of Glentoran who would you say is your big derby match? Uh, Lin- Linfield is the thing it's, it's well known I think I've seen something in an article there recently it's uh, in the 442 made the top 50 biggest derbies in the world um, when we played them we, we, we get good close to 10,000 at it it's, and it's um, it feels like a lot more than 10,000. It's fiery, it's intense. And on Boxing Day in uh, Northern Ireland, I think it's a, it's a great great feature. I think even maybe in Scotland they could look at it. On Boxing Day, we have every derby in the league. So everyone on Boxing Day plays their, their derby game. And it's such a special occasion for the fans. So Boxing Day, they turn up, they've had a couple of drinks, they arrive at the stadiums and, and that's the big game of the season. You look at Boxing Day and we play Linfield. It obviously alternates home and away depending on the year um, and it, it's a real great experience I was t- I, I'd be telling lads in Scotland that you, you wouldn't like it's the type of game you want to play in especially as a professional footballer um, and yeah it's exciting and I, like I said I definitely do think other countries could look at it um, and think oh if, if that if that's something that's possible it, it, it should be done Let's rewind back to the very start you obviously were born in the Republic of Ireland you started playing at a youth level Port Marnock, Cherry Orchard, before you get spotted by St. Pat's. What was that like growing up and what was it like playing football? Were you always a midfielder and defender or did you start as a striker and work your way back? No, I was I was, I was a midfielder really, a centre mid. Um, I actually, football wasn't my first sport. I played a lot of Gaelic football here um, and I kind of got into the Dublin panel with that and I was actually a, a quite competitive swimmer. 
Um, swimming was probably the thing that I was a, the best at. Um, I was in the top few in the country. And then when you kind of get to that age, for all three, ga, um, football or swimming, you kind of have to make the choice of what's going to go where. Um, I never really thought football was going to be my thing. Port Manic was a real low level. Um, there's a couple of big schoolboy clubs in Dublin. Um, your Cherry Orchards, uh, Belvedere, St. Kevin's, Home Farm. Like the, a lot of these clubs get players away to England and Scotland all the time. Um, I actually played in a summer camp in Spain. Just my family were over there and it was ran by Arsenal. Um, and it was while I was, at, I was at the summer camp and I was doing okay and I was just messing around. It was more like because I was with a few of my friends and George Paris, who used to play for Arsenal, uh, came over to my dad after the game and said, oh, I'm actually interested in your, in your kid. Uh, I'd like to send someone over to see him. And me and my dad looking at each other going <laughs> Arsenal. So like some laugh. Like I, I, like I said, I was playing in the really poor league. Um, he came over, didn't want to see the standard that I was playing at and got me a couple of opportunities to move into to some, some schoolboy league teams. And, and then I moved into Cherry Orchard. So it was at that time then that I thought, maybe I've actually got a bit of a crack at this. Um, and I was doing well in football. Then a couple of other English clubs at the time had come in and started to have a look at me then. Um, and, and then things developed. So that was when, I think that was at about 15. So at that point then I said, right, football's, football's the one I'm going to go for. Um, then I moved to Cherry Orchard, spent a year there. Um, and I, I got myself into the Ireland setup at this point. And then uh, I'd gone to Pats after that. Pats, at this point, it was the first time they'd moved sort of a reserve league in. Um, and I went into St. Pats Reserve League. Just, and that, that's pretty much my Irish background. From playing with St. Pats and training there, how did, you get spot, how did you get spotted by Inverness and Terry Butcher? Well, actually, it was, again, I think it was just meant to be nearly. Uh, it's a it's mad story. I, I think an agent or something had come to me at the time when I was younger again saying, oh, I'll get you a couple of trials here. And then you just say, yeah, no problem. And he says to me, Inverness, they were in the SPL at the time. I think at this, at this point, I was actually 16. So I hadn't even gone to Pats or nothing at this point. He says, they're having an open day trial. Um, where they're like where do you sort of get release players from England to come to play in front of Terry Butcher at the time. Um, so I went over at 16 and I arrived in and I, I was the only one below 20. They were just, a lot of them are playing League 1 players, League 2 players. When I was 16, I was a schoolboy. So I wasn't really there for, it, it, I shouldn't have been there to be honest with you. Um, but I was just running around basically and some fella, one of the players, this is, this is a real Terry Butcher thing. One of the players had, had hit me quite hard. Uh, I started to get internal bleeding in my legs. So my leg was like turning purple. Um, but I tried to play on. I got in at halftime. I was stiffening up and I was basically limping the second half. I couldn't get through it. And I remember Butcher coming down the stairs of the stadium at this time. Uh, and he says, oh, pull him off. Like, and then I've come in. And then after it, he says to my, me and my dad, he says, I'm very interested. He's a young kid and he's coming in here. And he started saying how I, he loved my attitude for trying to play through an injury and all that. Uh, so he says, we'll be in touch uh, soon. Just leave your details. So I went home didn't hear nothing, six months, this is all, I was still at that Cherry Orchard team, moved to Pats, and then I was at Pats playing, I was doing quite well, I ended up becoming the captain a year younger, so I was one of the younger ones in the under-19s, because I was only 17, I became captain, and I was going well, and the Pats first team actually started to bring me in, then at, at about 17, um, and so sure enough, someone phoned me, like a random guy, he goes, uh, some 
agent contacted me and said, Terry Butcher from Inverness is looking for your number. He's lost all your details. He asked me, did I know you? And I actually knew someone who knew you. So I says, yeah, so sure enough, a couple of days go by and my phone starts ringing and I answer the phone and it's Terry Butcher. So this is about a year and a half after that thing. They just lost my details really. Um, and then from there on the phone, he just he offered me a two-year contract. So I went into Pat's um, and told Pat's that I'm going to sign a pre-contract. I want to go away. It's in the SPL. They tried to keep me, which was fair. Um, maybe if I knew a bit more about everything and going on, I, I actually probably would have considered it more. But at the time, I was thinking Inverness and the SPL of St. Pat's. It's no brainer. I'm going. Um, and then I signed a two-year contract and then Pats tried to get me to stay again they gave me a first-team appearance but then my mind was made up I was gone and, and that was me then I left after me leaving sort at 18 to go to Inverness What's it like when you arrive at Inverness when you train with the first team fellow Irish players you've obviously got Richie Foran there Aaron Doran yeah. do they welcome you in and help you along the way? Yeah well R Richie was Richie was massive and so was Aaron was more, uh, Aaron was younger so it was actually just nice to have a dog sort of my age I could hang around with and all get, get to know things early but that dressing room, I was very lucky. I, I think at the time, again, just being so young, I didn't really know what fo what professional football was. Like I said, I just left school. So I was kind of like, it was mad just, just to be kind of chucked into the first team dressing room. There was guys in the youth team who were um, younger than me. Or sorry, older than me. Um, and it, it was just kind of nerve-wracking being in there. But Richie brought me up to his house and... He got me dinner and all while I was there early and he would bring me up to his a lot and Aaron would Aaron would be helping us around. And then, like I said, a lot of players at that time were saying this dressing room is, is really good. Like, it, it, everyone was mates, everyone got on and they would tell me at the time there was a lot of older pros like, say, Owen Tudor Jones who played at Norwich and Swansea and guys who'd been at bigger clubs, Rangers, and they would say, you won't get a dressing room like this very often. And I, I didn't really take any of it. I just thought, oh, like, it's a group of lads. Like, I've never not got on in a dressing room. But obviously, you find out what professional football is, and there can be some people you don't like or whatever it is. Um, and and I was just really lucky that that was where my schooling kind of was for, and and I think it really set me up for the for the rest of my career. What was Terry Butcher like as a manager? Because he's someone who's no no shy to give you yeah. the hair dryer if he thinks you need it. Yeah. No. He, well, look, there's been, there's plenty of Terry Butcher stories around, but look as well for me, he was great. Um, he's given me my chance to play, and it, he was just—he was old school. There was a mad like I've seen—I've seen him kick, punch a hole through a, uh, a dugout. I've seen him kick uh, cupboards clean off the walls at stadiums, break doors. He threw a water cooler at a player chain. So the one I think when we were there, a big huge thing just that during games. But like, like he'd hug you twenty minutes after, you know, when we're getting on the bus or whatever. And, and Morris Malpass, who was the assistant at the time, like. Morris Malbas is, is a legend in Scotland. I think he played 900 games for Dundee United. He's played against, he beat Barcelona with Dundee United, I'm sure, in the European Cup. Like, yep. had that type of uh, upbringing. And, like, it was real old school. Mo was very old school as well. Um, and it, it, was, it was great for me. And, like I said, I, I, that, was, that was really setting me up for, for the rest of my career. What do you remember about your debut for Inverness? And how did you feel before your debut? Were you nervous, buzzing, a mix of the two? Yeah, we'll see, to be honest. At the time, actually, I was struggling bad in training. Um, I, I was just, I was very nervous as a kid and uh, a lot of the boys used to wind me up. Like, I, I wouldn't even speak in the dressing room and they'd try and get stuff out of me. And like I said, I was just so nervous all the time when I get out on the train. Every training session felt like I, I really needed to 
impress or show something and it was it was actually going the opposite way it was having a bad effect on me I felt like it was very poor in, in training a lot and they were saying oh be great. like you're only new in you're getting used to the standard or whatever and then there was a couple of injuries I think then um this is like early in the season so I ended up getting on the bench for Hearts away and Hearts is one of the, obviously the bigger clubs big stadium and I, I got there and I was thinking oh my god look at the stadium and all the fans are filling up I think it was whatever it was 10 or 15,000 there and I was thinking, oh, I can't believe I'm sat on the bench here. Like, like I said, less than a month ago, I was playing in a park with Pats's resis, like just in the Alsa, the back of the airport, and now I'm sat here. And I was sitting there watching the game. Richie had been sent off, actually, and we we're two one down. Um, and I kept seeing Butcher, like he turned around and, and be looking at me, and I'd be like, "What's he looking at?" And then Aaron came off, and he was nudging me, and he was saying, "I think he's going to bring you on here." And we started making a joke about it, like again, like Aaron was, he'd be at the wind up and. I never thought I was never going to get brought on. And sure enough, he turns around and he says, Connor, come here, son. And he got, like, obviously one of my games is about being busy and getting around the pitch. And they had a, a good hold midfield at the time, Tell, who with 10 men, he was he was just starting to control the game. And Butcher just says, get on there, wrap out, see if you can nick the ball back off and just get the ball going forward. Um, and then basically, a moment I'll never forget, 94th minute, the ball came across the box and I got a tap in for and my debut in front of whatever it was, 10 or 15,000. And, and, and I think everything settled down after that. It was a real big moment for me and one I'll never forget. You mentioned the debut being a big moment. My favourite thing about it is Terry Butcher's quote after the game. He says about you, he says, Ah, Connor Pepper, uh, scoring the goal was beyond our wildest dreams. The boys on peanuts at our club. It's a fairy yeah. tale for him to score the last kick. Yeah, yeah. Well, like basically, I was on a youth team contract and I was in a first team dressing room. So, um, like... I was probably on a fraction of what everybody else in the dressing room was on, but um, like I said, that was just, it was just so I, I, I'd have done that for I'd have been probably there, I'd have done the first year for free. It was to play in the SBL. Well, not to play there. I didn't think I'd maybe get games at this point. It was just to sort of see what a professional football was about, get that experience, and then to score on your debut. Like it is, it's what dreams are made of. You 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 grow up as a kid and think, oh, I'd love to do that. Score on a big, huge stadium and. And that was me. Like, and then after the game, I was pushed in front of a load of cameras and newspapers and all that. And I remember being so—I was so nervous about that. I had to pull Richie after the game and say, "Oh, here, what do I say to these here?" And they were all just—all the lads then are just at the wind up taking the mick out of me. But it, it was—it was—it was all a fairy tale, really. And just in one of your early games as well, you play against Celtic. You get an assist in the game, but the club loses the game, which is no shame. Yeah. Losing to one of the big Glasgow too. What was it like playing against Celtic? Because you think of the players that Celtic Rangers yeah. have, internationals, was was that like a dream come true, playing in that stage? Yeah, well, at that time as well, 2012, Celtic were a very good side. I think that was that was the year they beat, they beat Barcelona in the Champions League as well. Um, and again, it was more just the experience. I think Hearts was, Hearts was actually the week before. So this game was on Sky Sports the next week, and I'd scored. So they came into the dressing room and I was just, I didn't even know. I was up there on my stuff and then everyone went silent. And I've done that and I turned around and the Sky Sports camera was in my face like that. And all the boys just started saying, oh, why is he going so red? Why is he going? And I, was, I just went bright red on right in the screen in the dressing room because I was just like, what are they doing here? And then, but my parents had been recording at home. So obviously they were just doing a bit on the week before or whatever it was. Um, and again, like getting to see the Celtic fans arrive in, they, they sell out their end, the songs. And I was, it was like, it, I'd have probably been more nervous now playing against Celtic, but at the time, it's just you're not really thinking of anything. You're just going along with it. Um, and we were actually getting beat 4 0. 
Um, and Butcher says, "Come on, you're coming on." And I went, oh, "Okay, yeah." So, but again, I'm, I'm like I'd sport itself coming, come up as a kid, like, and then uh, it wasn't really about the result or nothing at this point. It was just sort of coming on, and then we came on, and I, I was actually, if I look at the video back now, a lot of players that I've played with say he's never had that pass in his locker, but uh, it was it was one of my best assists I've got. I came in and took it off our left back around a halfway line. I must have played a 40, 50 yard pass to Ross Draper and, and he scored. That made it 4-1. Then we scored again. It was 4-2 and I came in after the game and I, my job as a youth teamer was to actually clean up all the bins. So even after that, I'd come on and play against Celtic and everyone had gone and I was doing my jobs after doing cleaning up the dressing room and things like that. Um, and then I remember Butcher turning around and said, Connor, just as I was leaving and he says, well done today, son. Uh, and that was a moment that, like, kind of, as I left the dressing room, I thought, oh, like, that was, he didn't have to, he was raging. He hated Celtic now. Like, it's a former Rangers captain. He, he uh, we, we used to, he'd be, he'd be saying, oh, like, I hate green. I hate green. Like, he would get real worked up when we go to play Celtic. And then, so for him to just turn around to me, like, after everyone had gone and just say, look, Connor, well done today. And that meant an awful lot to me. And, and like I said, my, my first month now in professional football was just becoming crazy because then, my mates would say, like, my mates had all watched that game. Then it was a Sunday. It was a one o'clock kickoff. So it was a game on Sky. They're watching it live. And my cousin, Kieran, he was always funny. He he would say, like, his mom was going mad for him not getting out of bed or whatever time it was. And uh, he, he just pointed at the screen. And just at that time, it was me on the screen. And she, like, had to double look and just, like, say, oh, no way is that him. Like, because I'd probably only been in the house a month before. Uh, so just things like that were always just real nice to come home to and, and have that type of memory. You mentioned the fact you grew up as a Celtic fan as a kid. I imagine you're maybe tempted to swap shirts after the game, but because of Butcher, I imagine you're maybe scared to do so. Yeah, well, I actually, I, I thought about it and I was so, I would be, I'd be too scared and nervous at the time. But I remember a few of them did, like a few of the lads were up from England, like Ross Draper, I think, was from, Mac he came from Macclesfield. He's at Ross County now. He went to Victor Wanyama. Victor Wanyama was playing the game and he said, oh, can I be sure? And Victor Wanyama says, yeah, no problem. And because we got battered, even Ross Draper, who had like played however many games, just went, nah, I'm not taking that jersey. And then just left out. He was raging after because he had asked Wanyama for the shirt. Um, and then he just got, he just too scared to even bring it back into the dressing room after that. So he never got his thing. It was, it was something that I'd probably regret doing. I would have liked something like that. But I was, at the, then I'm thinking to myself, well, I'll be grand. I'll play him again. <laughs> In terms of your early start, you get the, the goal at Harps. You get the incredible assist at Celtic. Your first away game against Tibbs, you get another goal. Fairy tale start. Yeah, well, this is actually... I, on a Thursday, we all we always did double sessions, Morris Malbus, and he'd walk around training, and then he would go, uh, you're out this afternoon, you're out this afternoon. It was basically only the starting 11 for the Saturday wouldn't have to do the double with the U team and subs, basically, that reserve, whatever it is. Everyone's left over. And he didn't say my name, so I come over to Mo. He says, "Oh, Mo, you forgot to call me. I'm out." Yeah, and he went, just put his hand on my shoulder. He says, "No, you're not. Go and get changed and go home." And I started going, "Oh my God, I'm starting the end of the week, the weekend." And I was calling my family. They, they couldn't get over just because of work. It was too late for um, for flights and all that. Um, and it was another again. We were playing. We went away there, and it's another big, huge stadium. And I was just delighted to to get this type of opportunity. Like it, it was just especially at, at that age. Um, and Pat Fenlon, who was a dub, um, who was managing the League of Ireland and things like that, was a manager of Hibs. And he actually tried to take me to Bowes 
when I was a kid as well. Um, so I actually knew the Hibs manager, which was weird while we were there. Um, and then we were 2-0 down in the game and Richie flicked one on. I muscled off someone and then I got a good finish in it. We came in at half time then and Butcher was going off on one. Like, just going mad, going through players. And he's saying, an 18-year-old is making a show of every single... And then I'm trying not to laugh at this point then. I'm like, I'm just so buzzing. Like, I was just so excited. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and then, like, I'm, so I'm sitting there trying not to smile because he's being so complimentary about it. While at the same time, just going through, boys. Uh, and then I've I, I done well again in the second half and I won man the match. And that was when it, again, it kind of all kicked off for me. I was up the stairs in the press room and... It was just a surreal sort of a surreal time for me then, um, and again, like I'll never forget. These are memories I'm going to have for life, because um, it is what we all wanted to do when we're kids. Absolutely, and it, playing in the top level of Scotland, Ireland, anywhere is a dream for most kids. Just to just to play one minute as a professional would be the dream yeah. for people like myself. So you certainly yeah. achieved that. Which again, hats off to you. You you play games for Inverness under Terry Butcher that season. In terms of the following season. Obviously, Terry Butcher's replaced eventually by John Hughes. What was that like for yourself? Because that kind of did change things a wee bit. Yeah, well, I'd actually signed a two-year deal originally at Inverness. And I played, I think I played, I think I nearly got to 20 games that year with cups and sub-appearances and everything, whatever it is. And Butcher had said to me at the time, look, because uh, I kind of stopped, I didn't play a, a, for a couple of months. My last game was in January, my next game didn't come till May, but I still played a lot for what I should have done that year. And he'd said about maybe extending my... He wanted to extend my contract, don't worry about it. He just said at the time, he said, you've been pressed into the limelight and, and, and you've got all that. I'm just going to take you out for a little bit here now, let things settle down, let you just sort of go through training, get you a couple of resi games again, just settle things down and then we'll, we'll look at a new contract in the summer. Hibbs came calling for a Terry Butcher. At Inverness, we were doing really well. We were decent enough side, so... He went to make the step up. He left to go to Hibs um, and John Hughes came in. Um, and then, look, that that, that just, my, my career was nearly done. After about two weeks, like I said, I was young in that first-team dressing room. After about two weeks, I was in his office and he'd said to me, I think you're too young to be in the first-team dressing room. And I was thinking to myself, oh, like, so I knew at this point that it was, I was thinking, oh, so the next thing I'm in the stand, I'm in the stand. And I spent a full year without playing. At the time, I was going to go on loan. I think my agent at the time said, oh, why don't you go on loan to Stenhouse Muir or whatever it is. And I, I look, I know now it's different. Like, a loan is what I just should have done. But I got games in and people, any, who, anyone could have seen you or whatever it was. But I was thinking, I'm not going to like League One or Stenhouse Muir or whoever it's Strand Rar. He was just naming a couple of teams I could try and get you in. And then I was thinking to myself, I'll just go home. Like, I'm not, why would I go and play in Scottish League One to, to, just for nothing, I'll just go home. And he was thinking, I was just, I was just being stupid again. If I know what I know now, I'd have just went, yeah, no problem. And I'd have just left Inverness and went on loan or, or whatever it was. Just I think because they're part-time teams, you would just travel down maybe on the on the Wednesday train, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever the days were, play the game Saturday, maybe come back to Inverness and then train Monday, Tuesday, whatever. I should have done it. But again, not knowing anything, thinking I'll, I'll, there'll come a time where I have to play here. And again, I was starting to do okay. I was getting better. I just felt that the, he made a couple of signs. There was a couple of players in the team or, or wingers, you know, like yourself. You always think, I could do more of a job than that. Um, and then, but it just never happened to me. And I spent a year just doing nothing. And then my contract ran out my, my first time 
of just that happening. Maybe but you're getting released. They pull you in and they say, we're not renewing your contract. That's you getting released. Um, so I actually left the office, went up to the stand, started crying, phoning my dad, saying I've been released. Because um, that's, again, I'm thinking to myself, everyone at home now is going to think I failed. You got released. You're only, you're only two years you're away for, and then you're back. So I was just, I was just upset. Um, and then I just had to wait and see and, and, and see what the summer brought. You have to wait and see what the summer brings. Ultimately, in the end, how do you end up signing for Jim Duffy and Green at Morton? It's my hometown club, so um, yeah. in terms of yourself at Morton, you're very highly regarded. Fans still ask for you now. How did that move come yeah. about? Because at the time, obviously, the club's in League One having to rebuild to get back to the Championship. Yeah. How did he get in touch and what attracted you to Morton? Well, I didn't, I didn't know much. So, again, I had, had an agent at the time and he said, oh, there's a few teams in have done Dunfermline, Morton. Dumbarton, uh, they were in the championship at the time still. Uh, there was a good, just a couple of teams and maybe Dunfermline at the time were going to have a big goal to sort of get back promoted again. So Jim Jeffries is basically saying he's signing a lot more of experienced players um, to try and get them promoted again. Dumbarton was a part-time team even though they were in the championship. I kind of wanted to stay full-time, which Morton were. And Jim Duffy said he was sort of getting more of a younger squad together but I said like I want to go and sign somewhere where I'm going to play games because I was used sort of sporadically at Inverness then didn't play for a year I needed to start to learn to be playing every Saturday and uh, Jim Duffy said look we're going to have a smaller squad you're going to play games so I think then and it was full time like I said so it, it just it made sense then to just go there and, and see where see where that took us Mentioned the fact you have to go and see what it takes you. When you arrive at Morton, how did it compare to Inverness? How was it different? Um, I think at Morton it was more like it was a we were training full time, but we weren't a full time club. Like at Inverness, you would arrive in, there'd be breakfast, you would train, come back, then you would get your lunch at the stadium. You, you know, I mean, it was just a lot more there. It was a full time club. Whereas at Morton, we would just turn up a train and train, go home. Like it was just but you were just doing that four or five times a week. Um, but, like, it, it was good again, meeting up. Like, I, I, I stay in contact with a lot of Morton players now. More, I'm, I'm still more friendly with a lot of the Morton boys than I am with, say, the Inverness lads. A lot of them were older. They're doing different things. But I, I made a lot of good friends at Morton, and I really enjoyed it. And um, Like, it's uh, Andy Barrowman, who just signed. I'm, I'm still very friendly with him. Uh, Lee Kilday, Tam O'Ware, Ricky Lammy, they're all great and they were all, we were all sort of the same age so it was real nice to just come in a lot, and like you said, it was a rebuild so probably 90% of us were coming to a new club so it wasn't like I'm just a different guy coming into the dressing room it was kind of like we were all new so we just started to get to know each other all in the same, at the same time and it actually made all that pretty easy um, so that, like, that, that first year was, was great really the first year you mentioned is great, it's successful, the club wins League One. Is it good to be playing, especially when you're young in a team that is winning most weeks and is challenging at the top? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't obviously that easy. I think at one we, we, I think Air United were very good that year as well. I can't really remember. Because um, we spent a lot of the year at Tour de Forge, Strand Rye were quite good. In fact, yeah, because the last day of the season was, was like Helicopter Sunday, wasn't it? I think four teams could finish top on that day. We were top on the last day. We just needed to win to win the league. Um, so it was quite competitive. So there was ups and downs through the year, and and it like it was great. I get to 
experience trying to win a league and, and go for a league. And I played a lot of different positions with Jim Duffy at the time. And I was playing centre mid, right mid, I'd end up at left mid. And then obviously I ended up playing, I think my second game I actually played up front because we were missing body. I, the only position I didn't start a game for Morton was centre back. Everything else I've played in every single position really. Um, so all that was great. Like that's, that's, that in itself is good experience. I think a lot of some lads won't get to do that playing different positions. I had to play in competitive professional football in different positions, just chucked in. Can you like do something there, do something there? And Jim Duffy is is probably one of my after everything that went on with my injury and everything is is very close to me and and uh it's all stuff that that, that stands well for me now still as well. What was Jim like as a manager? I've, I've interviewed um, Tam Aware, I've interviewed Ricky Lamy, Michael Tidson, a few of the guys who were in and around the club at that time and they always talk about Jim as being a very serious guy, very defensively minded, structured the team well, but someone who was up for a laugh more than maybe he's portrayed in the media. Yeah, yeah, because I think he just, that's just his look with his bald head and that, and he just sort of looks angry all the time. But uh, now he's great. And just always, Craig McPherson should be getting a big mentor, especially for me. I still speak to Hadji once every couple of months. I was very close to him. And Jim Duffy's man management was great. And it was kind of like, Everything that came out of Jim Duffy's mouth was the truth. A lot of managers are going to tell you things that you don't, like maybe rather than tell you the truth, they're going to lie, worm you up. Jim Duffy would just bring you in and say, I don't like this, I don't like this. This is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And it would be very much like that. Even when it got the contracts for boys at the end of the season, like, well, it was just honest. And that's all. Most players just want that. It's going to be, say if a manager says to you at one time, you're not for me. At least they tell you you're not for them up front. Nice. Don't drag players along and wait six. The careers are short. Some manager, it's because it suits them to keep them around for six months or it does this. Jim Duffy's not like that. He very much looks after the players. He had a great career as a player and then has done some big things of coaching with Chelsea, Norwich, Portsmouth, Hearts. Like his CV is incredible. So when he gets to this point at Morton, he basically is there to help the lads enjoy his Saturday stuff. And it's upfront and honest and that's why probably as a, as a manager goes and, and how highly I'd like to speak of him and I probably couldn't speak highly enough of him and then the same with Hadji Hadji was like I said is still a very good friend of mine and if Hadji phoned me up tomorrow and said I, can you really do this for me I'd go and do it for him um, and that's the main thing for me and I think that was kind of why we all ended up you don't win a league by fluke you know, you know what I mean and it, and it was just little bits in the season I think we got to like eight or nine games before the end Um and he, he basically had it sussed. Like, obviously, with his experience, he went, oh, like, in the nine games, we're going to need this many points. If you win, get this many points from now, we're going to win the league. And he was right. I think we, we just got bang on maybe a point or two more. And, like, things like that stuck with me. I thought, as I'm because I'm, I'm doing, I've got my A license now. I really want to coach and manage in the future. And how Jim Duffy was is going to have a massive, massive influence on me as, as I get older, I think. Two players I want to ask you about the season was a season with so many good performances from so many of the players, but Ross Forbes and Declan McManus in particular absolutely flying. Yeah, well, you know, me and Forbes, he actually travelled in together. He lived out in just, I was Carfin basically, he was Motherwell, I think, around that, so we were quite close. So me and Forbes, he got in together. He's a, fun, he's a funny guy, Forbes, he's, he's dead serious. He's kind of like, he could be strange at times, and we'd have arguments over stuff in the car, but. Uh, like he he's a he was a good lad and like as left foot scout is not many better, um like sure when he was younger and in that Motherwell team and Forbes he probably Forbes his left foot is well known all around Scotland and it would be a thing that other teams 
would have to try and stop. Like if you were playing Morton, you knew Fobsy would come inside off there. And it suited me then when I moved to right back. If he wanted to come in onto his left foot all the time, I could use my energy getting up and down. And so we're traveling in together and he played in front of me. So I ended up getting on quite well with Fobsy. And Deck, Deck McManus is like League One's his league, isn't it? I think every time he, he's obviously gone higher up and come back or gone higher up and come back. And when he goes and plays in League One, I don't, he's probably scored 30 goals in that league three times or something now. It's just something clicks for him maybe at that level. And, He's just better than that. Better than that level. Let's be honest about it. Um, and it clicks for him. And I think he got a probably maybe thirty goals that year for us. Um, so yeah, they were they were two massive players for us that year. You play at fullback. You play in central midfield in different position. Where was your favourite position to play? Not just for Morton, but in your career. Um, well, when I was younger, I actually I play further forward in a midfield three but only just because of my energy I can get in behind and I can press the game well and then I think but people think that's more of a defense like how defensively I can win the ball back they maybe bring me back further deeper in midfield but I probably like technically in playing my back to goal isn't isn't one of my strong points whereas then again when fullback when the game's in front of you and I can use sort of my physical attributes that that it gets better for me I think my my best football at Morton came when I was at right back um and then obviously that year we, we were flying and, and we done really well and took some big results off them big teams like Rangers and Hibs. I was at right back there and then I found myself back at right back now for Glen Thorne and, and, I'm, and I'm really enjoying it. In terms of enjoying your football, as you say, you played against some, some really big teams. The second season in the championship, another decent season for the club, a decent season for yourself and then... We obviously come, we came to the injury earlier on. In terms of your time at Morton, how do you reflect on playing at Capelo? Because as I say, from myself and, and many other people in and around the club, you're, you're still very highly regarded and spoke about in high esteem. Yeah, I, I just think it was when I first started to get most of my games in all the time. And I think a lot of players say, say like Forbes, you'd say, what does he bring to a game and his left foot? I think... He, with me, you're just going to get 100% all the time, no matter what. doesn't matter if we're 4-0 up, 4-0 down. You're going to get the same energy, same work ethic, same everything like that. So I think fans just sort of, that they just come towards that type of player. Like I think every time you would watch me, you would think I'm playing for that jersey. I'm playing to win that game for them or whatever it is. So I think, and it's great. Like see, to be honest, after my injury and I left, the amount of messages I got off Martin fans when I played my first game for Glen Thorn was like, it, it was, uh, sorry, off Morton fans, when I played for Glen Thorn, yeah, it was just, it was, it was touching, like it was nice, I got so many messages and, it, it, you know what I mean, say I'm on, doing things on Twitter or whatever it is, Instagram, and you see Morton fans come back and talk about it and, or a lot of them would say, oh, why don't you come back and sign, look, it's not that easy, but it, I appreciate it so much and, and like I said, th those people are paying money to go and see us, so, that type of stuff and, and that they, they appreciated that much is, is is touching like. What was it like playing in the championship compared to League One? Did you notice a step up in quality? Yeah, well, the championship when we played in was <laughs> you could have mistaken it for the SBL, really, couldn't you? So we had Rangers, Hibs, uh, Hearts were down there, Dundee United down there at some point. Dunfermline are back up and they're, they're getting they're they're trying to get in and about it. It was us. So basically, the full league is full time, and there's a couple of big, massive clubs. And at the start, we're thinking, "Look, let's just stay up." And then, as the season goes on, and the couple of the moments, like I know we got injured on the night, but being three 0 up at Hibs, getting that two each draw at Ibrox in front of fifty odd thousand, 
those nights were amazing. I've got photos from those nights of a sold out Ibrox, and they're just it's just incredible moments. Like and and get like Morton fans even getting to getting to have those moments as well. Like they they probably won't forget that. Look, I know time like I think the last year or two maybe they, they haven't probably been high up as high up as they wanted to be. Um, but those nights where we we went to Hibs and beat them and get a point at Ibrox and all is just they 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 were great and. I think we we just missed out on the playoffs that year, but again, like in that league, it was just an incredible achievement. We've came full circle now in the sense that we've talked about your career in Inverness with Morton, Glen Torren, the injury. In the future, you've mentioned you want to be a coach, you want to manage. That's your passion for football shown through in this interview. In terms of coaching and managing, are you planning and hoping to coach in Ireland, or are you hoping to return to Scotland one day because you've clearly got fond memories of playing here? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Look, I just I love football now, and I just wanted to be in the game. Um, the being injured meant I had to do something, and it was lucky in the way that I I wasn't forced into coaching because of my injury. I always wanted to coach, even when I was when I'm eighteen and nineteen, I'm trying to take things from managers or or whatever it is. So when I got injured and I thought my career was over, and I'm having to do coaching badges. It wasn't like I was being forced because, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to play again. It was, well, at least I'm going to get these things done early. Like, And now I'm, I've just, I am just turned 26 this week. I've got my UEFA A licence done. Um, and I'm, I'm coaching at an academy in Dublin. Um, at my local club, Port Marnock, I, just, I take a lot of the age groups. I take maybe groups of age groups that have the better players. So I'm getting that done. Um and like and another thing at Morton that I didn't mention what they did was Jim Duffy and Hadji is they put me on a coaching staff when I got injured so I was 21 and I still have the photo because I sent it to my dad that day of a match day squad and it said manager Jim Duffy assistant manager Craig McPherson first team coach Connor Pepper and it was just Jim Jim Duffy keeping me involved and getting me on the bench and like th- those things like I can't I wouldn't be able to put into words how much that meant to me like getting even like because again I, I'm not playing I don't have the buzz of it anymore and then suddenly I'm on a bench as a first team coach and I would stay behind with Haji I would arrive at training early with Haji just putting things out and then getting Morton gave well not more I say Jim Duffy gave me the Morton under 20s reserves um to coach basically when I was coming back from injury because I my contract was up I came home for six months again after my second operation and I went back to Morton then just to finish off rehab. And while I was there, I'd done my B licence and I was on my A. Jim Duffy said, why don't you take the take the 20s and train with them, put the session on and then start to build yourself into training with them. And then I remember the Greenock Telegraph, one of the newspapers, put a, an article up saying I was getting the 20s job and that type of exposure now, it stands for me now. So, now I think if I go for another job, people are going to look, how was he a coach of a reserve team in Scotland at 21, 22? Like the players are only two years younger than me then at this point. So that type of stuff is just incredible. And like I said, I, I just I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to thank them enough for all of that. Um, so yeah, I think if, you, for, if I can start maybe doing bits of coaching while I'm playing, I think more hours on the grass is better. Um, and I'm very passionate about it. I love it. Like I think now if, touch wood another injury or whatever it is and you can't play and I've got my qualifications I'd love to just go straight into coaching like I said I'm coaching now while I'm playing because it's another good way of just keeping busy and staying staying involved in it and getting good experience from it 
well, as I say, I wish you all the best as a player and as a coach in the future, and I hope to see you back in Scotland. I want to finish with a quick round of, of questions. First of all, being best players you played with? I'd say there was a good couple in Inverness, uh, the two Shinny brothers, Andy and Graham. Uh, Andy's in the championship with Luton now, and Graham's in the championship with Derby. Um, and then I think they were just as players. And then I, I learned a lot off, say, Richie Foran and Owen Tudor Jones, the older all the pros at Inverness. Um, and, and I think maybe look, because I was younger and I wasn't as good at that time, they just seemed better to me. But I think that's where I'd go for, I'd say that there's four anyway. They're, they're the best. Best players you played against? Well, look, it's easy to rattle off all the Celtic players, isn't it? You know, I played against Wanyama, Mulgrew, uh, Wilson then team, Tony Watts was in them team, Fraser Forster, like, you know, Ranger, the Rangers team we played against was quality. Um, Kenny Miller was still there. Martin Waghorn who's at Derby now. Um, Lee Wallace. Like they, they were still a good Rangers team in the, in the championship at the time. So all, both of them were probably the ones that we played against. Most inspirational captain? Um, Richie. He just, it was his dressing room. Like I've actually not seen a captain like that since because I just don't think it happens really and uh, at Morton we were all younger and Lee was the captain and he was a bit younger and he'd never been a captain before and then it was Tam and then at, at Glen and look Moko's Marcus Keynes our captain at left back he's very good and everyone respects him I think that's very important as long as the players respect you um, that's that's the main thing and, and we do that at Glen Thorne but Richie like I said just he would go through players but you knew it wasn't it's not, never personal with Richie it was more about demanding standards every single day and it was times like that he'd lock the dressing room door before the manager get in. He would have his own grilling with the boys, and it was just like that was his dressing room, and and it was it was inspiring nearly like. Most underrated teammate. Do you know, I always I play. I'm still quite friendly with Tidza as well, and Tidza came in to Morton and couldn't play for us he's just coming back from this English Championship now at this point I think he was at Rotherham yeah. and so he's gone from Rotherham back to us and couldn't play for six months and as a, as a guy as well he's, he's top notch he's, he's up front you know what you're going to get from him and to have that mentality they just keep trying to train every day and then when the time comes to play then in training like you, you, you learn a lot more about a player in training than you do it anywhere else but the kids are in training every day was probably the best player on the training pitch He's got a great left foot, fit, strong, worked hard. And then I just think uh, he, he went, he, he was unbelievable at morning and went to Rotherham, didn't work out. And then you come back and it's, it's League One, it's different. He's not playing the English Championship anymore. He's in Scotland, the Scottish League One. It's just, it's hard to adapt and all. I just think he was unfortunate. People are unfortunate. They never got to see like Michael Tidzer every single day. Because I think if people see Tidzer, Michael Tidzer every single day, he, he, with the greatest respect, he, he wouldn't have been at Falkirk in League One last season. Um, like Falkirk are a big club, but Tidzer is Tidzer is an SPL or a Scottish Championship player by an own. Like best manager of your career and why? Uh, look, I, I would say Jim Duffy. Anyway, yeah, it's just I. It's more of an emo, it's nearly an emotional attachment now. I've been in his office crying my eyes out in front of him because of what was happening at the at the same time and. Then even when I'm coming at the end and he was just honest and giving me the coaching role and. Um, and then if I come away from that just as a manager, like I said, the being honest and upfront thing is just so, so massive. And like I said, at the start, when I said about Inverness, they said, oh, the dressing room is so great. And 
that and then you start to see other different people in football and you go on and you just realise if people are upfront with you and honest, that's that's the main thing. Like it doesn't matter if they like you or don't like you, at least you just got what what they what they felt and he, he was very much like that. And we would say in the car, I think it was before Rangers, he would like sometimes have his stuff on the pitch and how we were gonna defend and how we we're gonna do this and shake things off. And Tidza described it one day, he would travel in with me and Forbesy as well and Tidza said one day if Jim Duffy was on MNF that night with the show with Neville and Carragher and just done that whole thing or what he just done out on the pitch with us there, you would think, oh, that's different class. Like he, he just very simply broke down a game where you need to be, how we want to do this and how you want to do that. And like I said, I, I'd like to try and be at that level when I'm older because I think if you get to a, a level of near what Jim Duffy can do on a, on a pitch, you're not going to do too badly. What was your favourite ground to play football at in your career? Um, Easter Road obviously I've got a good memory I've got two I made my debut there and then we beat Hibs 3-0 there with Morton as well but the stadium itself is just it's modern it's new it's got the four stands it's just it's a lovely stadium uh, obviously look I played at Celtic Park and I played at Ibrox and they were two amazing things I think just probably personally more of my own memories I would go with Easter Road but obviously I love uh, Ibrox the dressing room and the size of it and then when you walk out in the crowd and like they're um, but they're amazing. They they are the best stadiums. But for me personally, with my memories, I would go with Easter Road. If you could play under any manager now, who would it be and why? I think Klopp. I, I'm I, I sport Liverpool going up, um, but I just think that energy and getting people together, and he's he's maybe a bit like he just seems like the man manager. People want to play for him, and how he gets the city itself together, the crowds. And then that high energy game, I think that's I like to play like that. Like I don't think Guardiola throw me in the bin. I think if you see me play, um, but so I think I think that's where I go. I could play for any manager in the world. Well, as I'll just repeat what I said earlier. I wish you all the best in your playing career going forward and coaching. And hopefully we see you back in Scotland soon. Connor, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Thanks very much. Cheers. Nice one. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a